Okay, let's uh, open our Bibles to John chapter 3. This is a very familiar scripture. It's been on my heart this week, and so I want to be obedient to the Lord and uh, bring the message that God would have brought today. Uh, I remember hearing uh, Brother Harold Sadler, uh, he said he'd been preaching revival, and he was coming back home and thinking about what he was supposed to preach at church the next day, his home church where he pastored. And, and he said the Lord put on his heart, John 3, 16, he thought, and he said, man, he said, that's elementary, everybody knows that. And, uh, but uh, he said the Lord just kept burdening him with that message, and so he preached on John 3, 16. And uh, had a glorious service, <laughs> and the Lord really honored it. I, it reminds me of uh, a teacher I had that uh, said him, another fellow, went to the um, jail and held service each Sunday. And this, uh, uh, this fellow with him said every time he preached, he preached on John 3.16. And uh, they began to call him, here comes John 3.16. But he said he'd usually had a different crowd every week, so. <laughs> uh, but he's telling, uh, he said he uh, preached that morning and said, do we have any sinners here today? He said, now here he is in jail. He said, one fellow said, I'm a sinner. <laughs> and he was saved that day. That's where he has to start, isn't it? Well, let's read some of this story in John 3, verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, You must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Let us pray. Our blessed Heavenly Father, as I in your presence, I thank you for the Word of God and for another opportunity to preach. And Lord, you know every heart, you know every need, and I pray that you might burden my heart with a message that would meet those needs today. Forgive us, Lord, where we failed you. And I pray, God, that you would direct my thoughts and my words and that you'd be honored in the service. I pray for the salvation of souls. I pray you'd revive the hearts of your people and be with those that are sick in body. We pray if it be your will, you bring healing to them. In Jesus' name, amen. Here is uh, one of 11 interviews in John between Jesus and individuals. Now, three different times it tells us that Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. It's talking about this one event, but it's recorded three different times. And here in verse 2, 
uh, also in chapter 7, verse 50, and chapter 19, verse 39 of John. Uh, there's a lot of speculation on why he came by night. Some say he was afraid to come by day. Uh, others say that he was busy, so he had to come by night. <clears throat> and uh, the Bible, I don't think, gives us clear indication of why he came by night. So it just tells us that it happened that way, and I'll not speculate any farther on that. Uh, but another point is uh, uh, he uses verily, verily. And I learned this, that there's 25 uses of the double verilies in the book of John. Uh, it means truly, uh, truly, truly, verily, verily, I say unto thee. Now Nicodemus here was uh, a Pharisee. Uh, there were two major religious groups of Jesus' day, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Uh, the Pharisees, they, uh, they were very religious, and uh, they believed in God. Uh, you know, the Bible said, Thy believest there is one God, thy doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. A person ought to believe in God, but just believing in God, even the devil's not an atheist. Even the devil believes in God. Uh, that does not uh, make one uh, a Christian just believing in God. I've had people tell me, I ask them, are you a Christian? I believe in God. Well, that, that don't make you a Christian, just believing in God alone. Uh, the Pharisees believed in angels. They believed in the resurrection. And so they believed right in, in many respects. Uh, the Sadducees, they did not believe in supernatural. They did not believe in the resurrection. Uh, someone said that's why they were sad, you see. But uh, they, Pharisees, believed right. They did right in, in a lot of ways. I know Jesus rebuked many of them for their hypocrisy. But uh, we have in Luke 18 the illustration the Lord gives of the Pharisee there that went up to the temple to pray and, and he brags about how good he was and he said, I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. Uh, so they were morally good people. Uh, they believed a lot of good truth. But many of them, like Nicodemus, were still lost. And it's just like there's people in church today that that come to church and, and try to live right and believe right, and, and yet they have never really been born again. You know, I, I, along that line, I don't ever remember a time when I did not believe the Bible was the Word of God. Yeah. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. I believe He rose from the dead. I've always believed that, but I hadn't always been a Christian. There came a time when I had to trust the Lord uh, as my personal Savior. And, of course, we have another prominent Pharisee in the Bible, Saul of Tarsus in Acts chapter 9. Uh, Saul was, again, uh, highly educated, very dedicated, religious, but lost. And uh, so the Lord Jesus talks to Nicodemus here about being born again. You know, I think this word is misused. They talk about athletes being born again. Well, they're talking about something entirely different than what the Bible talks about. Uh, but let's notice some things that we could about this new birth. First of all, 
I like to talk about the necessity of the new birth. Everybody needs to be born again. Amen. That is everybody that reaches the age of accountability. Now little children, uh, little children, uh, uh, getting some interference some way there. Uh, little children uh, don't need to be born again because they don't understand the new birth. And, uh, but uh, everybody that reaches the age of accountability needs the new birth. Uh, why is there the necessity of the new birth? First of all, because man is depraved. Uh, man is a depraved, sinful creature. Uh, there is no spark of divinity in man. There's a, a belief that uh, in every man there is a spark of divinity. That if you can just find the good in man and find that good that, uh, uh, you know, that that man will, will quit being the kind of person they are. But I think history proves that to be wrong. You know, some propagated that the problem with man is the environment that he lives in. If you just take man out of that environment and build him a nice place to live and give him a guaranteed income, that uh, he'll be a good, upright, decent citizen. Well, I, I don't think that's held true, has it? And uh, man is depraved. That's the problem. Man is a sinner. Man is a sinner. Now, uh, Isaiah 1, 6 describes it this way. Fear, he said, from the sole of the foot even unto the head there is no soundness in it but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with almond. What a, what a description. Not very flattering, is it? The prophet of God said, I looked at man and I, I examined him from the top of his head to the sole of his foot. And I saw nothing but putrefying sores. I didn't find anything pleasing to the eyes. And yet this is a description of, of, of man, uh, of society. Uh, we, have, uh, we have a sick society, don't we? Uh, we have, we, uh, the, you know, you think of all the prisons and, and, and all the problem, I think of all the sin that goes on that nobody knows about, and I think of all the wickedness in the world and all the hidden sin. Uh, you know, you hear about, uh, about the, these uh, prominent sins and, and you turn the news on and you get the bad news report. Isn't, you know, it's just bad news. Isn't, isn't that, people say, why don't they report good news? Because bad news is what's happening. Bad things is what's making the news. And bad things are happening because of the human heart. Jeremiah said the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Now why is, why is this so? Well, the problem is with their birth. In Psalm 51, verse 5, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Now, he's not talking about the act of conception. He's talking about the, the condition of the heart. In sin did my mother conceive me, and we're all born sinners. Any of you that's had children, and uh, you know that you didn't have to spend any time teaching them how to do wrong, did you? You didn't sit them down and say, now I want to tell you Susie or Johnny or whatever the name is, I want to teach you how to lie because it's important that you know how to be a good liar. 
And yet the Bible says we, we come into the world speaking lies. You have to teach them how to do right, don't you? But we don't have to teach them how to do wrong because that's the inborn nature. We're born sinners. And man needs to be born again. That's the problem. We're born wrong. That's why the new birth is necessary because the first birth, the first birth is the problem. We're born sinners. And Jesus says to get that condition changed, you have to be born again. Right. Second of all, the new birth is important and necessary because man is dead spiritually. We're spiritually dead. Ephesians 2, 1, you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. And the Bible said in Timothy, she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. Spiritual death. Uh, you know, a dead man can't help himself, can he? Everything that's done for a dead man is done by somebody else. Every decision is made by someone else unless the decision is made before they die. Uh, and it, it illustrates the condition of man that man is incapable of saving himself because he's a dead man spiritually. Already dead. And then thirdly, the, the new birth is necessary because of the danger of eternal damnation. The Bible tells us in Mark 3, 39 that, uh, that uh, man is in danger of eternal damnation. In Matthew 23, 33, you serpent, you generation of vipers, how can you escape the damnation of hell? You know, Jesus Christ was a tough preacher. Sometimes people say, preacher, you're too plain. <laughs> you know, plain preaching is easy to understand. Uh, sometimes people go to church and they say, what did he preach on? said, I don't know, it is good, but I don't, don't know what he preached on. Well, I don't want that to be true. When people come hear me, I, you know, uh, and uh, call, it, call sin what it is. And he called, them, he called them names they didn't like and appreciate, but it was the truth. And so uh, we find in John three thirty six, he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Uh, that's present tense. David said in 1 Samuel 20, verse 3, there's but a step between me and death. The sinner is under the wrath of God, the condemnation of God, and just the next step may put him in hell. Now that's a frightening thing. I had a lady one time told me, said, I don't want to go to a church where the preacher talks about hell and scares my children. I thought in my mind, I said, well, you won't, I didn't tell her that, but I said, you, want, you probably won't like our church. Because yeah. <laughs> I want to tell you, when God saved me, there was a fear of judgment. Yeah. There was a fear of hell when God saved me. I was saving revival meeting. Mac Hodges preaching, ain't nobody ever heard him preach. He preached hard and yeah. preached strong about hell. And, and, uh, and he'd preach, and I'd go home, and I'd fight sleep I, uh, because uh, I thought, well, if, uh, if, if, I, if I think I'm going to die, and I, I don't know what that's like since I hadn't died, but in my mind as a youngster, I thought, well, if I feel like I'm going to die, then I can get saved right quick and not go to hell. And I can remember when God saved me that night, all that fear was removed. Amen. 
It didn't make any difference if I lived. If I died, yeah. I saved. And I'll tell you, that's worth, that's worth all. I'd rather have that today than to have the world. And uh, to know that, to uh, have that wonderful peace of God and know heaven's your home. That's something money can't buy. You know, if I could, if I had it in a capsule and could sell that, market that, I'll tell you, people would pay thousands of dollars for it, wouldn't they? But God said it don't cost anything, it's free. And I give it to you, and yet man doesn't accept it. Doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? So there's the necessity of the new birth. Man needs to be born again because he's born wrong the first time, because he's a sinner. I remember the story of uh, Dr. James Crumpton told and uh, he said he was preaching, and, and uh, I think it may have been in a Bible school, but he was preaching, and young sisters were coming and being saved, and said this little boy came to be saved. And, and he asked him, he said, do you realize you're a sinner? He said, no, I'm a good boy. Huh. I'm no sinner. He says, well, you can't be saved then. Jesus died for sinners. And the little boy went back to his seat, and he said he preached again. And the next, the next uh, night, the little boy, or the next day, the little boy came, and, and he said uh, he saw other his friends getting saved. He said, I want to be saved. He said, do you know you're a sinner? He said, no, I'm a good boy. I'm not a sinner. <coughs> and then he came the third time. And he says, do you know you're a sinner? The little boy began to cry. And he said, yes. Yes, Brother Crumpton said, I knew it all the time. I knew I was a sinner. But you know, a lot of times we just don't want to admit it, do we? But the, the new birth is necessary. Then I want to talk to you about the agents of the new birth. Here, Jesus says, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said, well, how can a man be born when he's old? Can't enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born. Verse 5, Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water, and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, is the water talking about uh, baptism? There are those who believe that the baptistry saves. Uh, that except a man be born of, the, of water, of water baptism, and the Spirit of God, uh, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, the agents of the new birth, I think we can understand this scripture if we understand that it is a birth. It is a creation that takes place. And you're not going to have a creation without two necessary things. Now, I believe here the water is talking about the Word of God, and let me, let me prove it to you. In the book of Genesis, the Bible said, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. The Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. You have the Spirit of God and the Word of God. And God said, and you had a creation take place. The Bible says that we are a new creation in Christ Jesus. That, that when God saves a person, we, there is a creation takes place. Now, why do I say the water is representing the Word of God? Because in 1 Peter 1, 23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the Word of God which liveth and abideth forever. Jesus told Nicodemus, you can't see the kingdom of God, you can't enter into heaven unless you are born again. Amen. 1 Peter says we're born again by the Word of God. Very clearly there in 1 Peter 1, 23. 
Also in Ephesians 5, 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. And in James 1, 18, of his own will begat he us with the word of truth. And in John 15, 3, now you're clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. And Ephesians 2, 8 says, for by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And Romans 10, 17, so then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Amen. So you're saved by faith. Where do you get faith? From the word of God. Born again by the word of God. So it has to be talking about the word of God. Because the word of God is necessary for salvation. And then he says, the spirit. In John 16, verse 8, And when he has come, he will approve the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Verse 6, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So there is a fleshly birth. Nicodemus said, Can I enter the second time into my mother's womb and be born? Well, that's impossible. And it's also impossible to be born again spiritually twice too. You know, but you got to get it right to start with. Right, amen. A lot of people make professions, join churches, and go through the motions, but I'm talking about something God does. Something man does, you know, won't last. Yeah. But whatsoever God doeth, it shall be forever, Ecclesiastes says. You can't add anything to it. You can't take anything away from it. You can't improve on something God does. You can improve on something I do. You know, I can improve on this message. Probably another preacher could do a lot better job than I could do. But, uh, but whatever God does cannot be improved on. So uh, the agents of the new birth is the Word of God and the Spirit of God. And there, there can be no birth, there can be no creative act of God without the Word of God and the Spirit of God. It's just like a physical birth. You've got to have a man and a woman, except in the case of Jesus, which is supernatural. Everybody else ever been born, got born the same way. And uh, through the man and a woman, the natural process. And so uh, the new birth, the spiritual birth, is the Word of God and the Spirit of God working together. And you always find that uh, throughout the Word of God. Uh, now, let me talk about the method of the new birth. There's two things necessary. You've got to have the Word of God. You've got to have the Spirit of God. And uh, you say, what's my part? Two things, repentance and faith. Yeah. The Bible said in Acts 20, verse 21, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, both are important. And uh, back on over in John 3 here, and verse, uh, uh, let me read verse 18, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. This is the condemnation that light is come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light that his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in God. Now here we have faith and here we have repentance. Why doesn't man come to Jesus? Because he loves his sin. 
the sins that are committed in the dark. And yet God can see in the dark as well as he can in the daytime. You know that? You know animals have a, uh, have a great sense. I like to deer hunt. Everybody knows that. And, uh, uh, but deer do most of their, their uh, eating at night. And they have amazing ability to see at night. If I had eyes like that, I could hunt at night, except that'd be illegal. So I can't do that. <laughs> but uh, animals have that great ability to see at night. But God can see in the dark. And the Lord knows this, doesn't he? You know the thing that I marvel at is that God loves me in spite of all God knows about me. Amen. There's not a person in this building today, I, I dare say, and I think I could say it, uh, you know, without hesitation, there's, there's not a person in this building that, that wouldn't be embarrassed if I had the ability to have you stand up today and say, would you please stand? And I could, I could read your mind and I could know every thought that you'd had for the past week or the past month. And I told this congregation the thoughts that entered your mind or the words that you may have spoken, or the deeds that you might have done, there's probably not a person in this building that wouldn't be embarrassed in some way. And yet God knows all that, doesn't he? God knows all about us, and in spite of that, God loves me just like I am. And that's a wonderful thing. We sing that invitation hymn, Just As I Am, and the Lord is willing and invites me to come. He invites me just as I am. I can come, and he'll take me. That amazes me. Romans 5, 8, that God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now there has to be a repentant heart. What does repentance mean? Repentance means to change your mind, to admit guilt. And when there's a change of mind, there's a change of direction. There's a change of life. It's an attitude. Until, until in my heart I'm willing to have that sin condition removed, I'm not going to be saved. And I believe there's people, I believe there's people in churches all across America, they prayed the sinner's prayer. They said, Lord, I'm a sinner Forgive me and save me in Jesus' name. And they got up and were baptized and joined the church and they're just as lost as lost can be because they never repented. They never had a repentant heart. They never came. The Bible, that's why the Bible says with a heart, with a heart, man believeth unto righteousness. Not just saying the words, but with a heart. It's an attitude of the heart and the mind. The Lord, I don't want to be like this. I want to be changed. Forgive me. And when a person comes with that attitude of heart and that attitude of mind, God, the God of glory, will do a supernatural work of grace in their heart that will change them forever. And then it's by faith. What is faith? Faith is trust. It's not just believing some facts. As I said, I've always believed in God as far as I can remember. But faith is trust. There came a time in my life when I was willing to trust what Jesus Christ accomplished for me on that rugged cross of Calvary. 
And by his resurrection, I was willing to trust my eternity in that fact. I was willing to, to trust the, the, the hope of heaven. Just like I go over to the Asheville airport and I get me a ticket. I need to go somewhere. Maybe I need to go to Texas, so I buy a ticket to go to Texas. The time comes for me to go, so I go to the airport, and the airplane comes in, and they announce, you know, you need to board the airplane. And uh, I hold the ticket in my hand. I say, I'll tell you one thing. I've got the ticket. It's bought and paid for. I'm going to Texas. See here? It says, Texas. Dallas, Texas. That's where I'm going. Plane comes in. They said, planes for Dallas, Texas. I sat there and hold my ticket. I said, I'm going to Dallas. Look here. Ticket says so. Plane, they say last call. Everybody gets on the plane. Plane taxes, you know, gets to the, gets to the runaway and revs the motors up and down the runaway he heads. And I sat there and I say, I'll tell you one thing, I'm going to Texas. I got the ticket to prove it. I've bought and paid for it. You know something? I'm not going anywhere. I didn't get on the plane. I don't care how many tickets I've got. I'm never going to get to Texas and I go get an airplane. And there's people, there's people that believe, they believe everything I believe and everything you believe, but they're never going to heaven. Right, go ahead, because they haven't got on the plane that goes to heaven. Amen. Of course, there's not a literal plane, you know that, but uh, picturing it there, they, they, they have never trusted Jesus Christ. Oh, I believe the Bible, I believe in God, I believe all that, I'm going to heaven. No, they're not. You have to trust him. Amen. Just like you go over to the doctor and the doctor diagnoses your problem. And uh, I just remember Brother Ted about Mac. He requested, I'll tell you, remind me at the end of the service, I'll tell you more about it. Brother Mac's sick. But uh, I go to the doctor and the doctor says, this is wrong with you, but these pills will fix you up. Take them twice a day, three times a day, whatever. I come home, I set the medicine bottle up on the cabinet and I said, I'll tell you one thing, I got sick and I went to the doctor. He gave me some medicine. He said, that medicine will take care of your problem. See there, I've got all 24 pills. They're still in there. I'm never going to get better until I take the medicine. You have to trust Christ. Amen. The method. Let me move on. Uh, we talked about... Uh, the uh, agents of the new birth, the Word of God and the Spirit of God. We talked about the method of the new birth is repentance and faith. And then I want to talk about the results of the new birth. The Bible said in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. It's a creation. You know, when God, well, back in Genesis there, the earth was without form and void and darkness is upon the face of the deep. And God said, let there be light and there was light. God said, let the dry land appear, separate the land from the waters. And we was talking Wednesday night about God and how great God is that he measures the, wa the waters in the hollow of his hand. You think about a God that great. Yeah. I'm going to tell you, this God I'm talking about is great. Think about all the water in the world. He said he measured them in the hollow of his hand. Yeah, that's awesome. One of these days, I'm like, this old breast, this old heart's going to stop, and this old breast's going to start, they're going to stop. And, and, uh, uh, but you know something? 
The Bible says underneath of the everlasting arms. I have no fear for my eternity. A God that can measure the waters in the hollow of his hand. Don't you think he can take care of me? I have absolute and complete confidence in this God. He will not fail. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, a new creation. That's why the old drunk quits his drinking, the cusser quits his cussing, and the liar quits his lying, and the thief quits his stealing. You don't do those things to get saved. You do those because God has done a creative work inside of you, and you're changed forever. That's why. And we have many illustrations of this in the Bible. Ethiopian eunuch in Acts 8, and uh, Paul in Acts 9, Philippian jailer in Acts 16, and, and the Bible is full of illustration. I think of the maniac of Gadara there, uh, who was a wild man running around naked and screaming and cutting himself and uh, terrifying the city. And one day Jesus came to town. And this devil-possessed man met Jesus, and the devils cried out, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thy Son of God? If you come to torment us before, before our time, and they, he cast the devils out, and they went into the herd of swine, they ran down a steep place into the sea, and uh, uh, you have the old maniac there sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. Takes the power of God to do that, doesn't it? I want to tell you, when you get born again, you're different. You are different. In fact, I'm convinced the only ones the only ones that'll ever live right are saved people. People say I tried it and I couldn't live it. That's right. You can't. Neither can I. It's Christ living in us. That's what makes the difference. Psalm 40, verse 2 and 3, He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, established my goings. He put a new song in my mouth. Even praise and there, God, many shall see it in fear and shall trust in the Lord. These are the results of the new birth. I want to close with this illustration. This happened back during World War II. these uh, <clears throat> paratroopers. They went up in this airplane and they were lined up, of course, to uh, jump out of the plane. And I think now, uh, Brother Hickox, was you in the paratroopers? I'm trying to remember. I was thinking you were. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I think now, I, maybe I'm wrong, but what, you, you know, what you see that... Uh, you know, you're hooked on some kind of a rope or whatever and you just, it just shoots you out. But uh, evidently in those days, then, well, they were lined up to, to, to leave the plane, jump out of the plane, holding their parachutes. And, and the, the first man, he, he jumped out of the plane and pulled his chute. And, and the second man hesitated. It's froze. And so he pushed aside and the third man, took his place and jumped out of the plane and pulled his parachute. And just as he, his parachute cleared the plane, the plane flew on. There was a massive explosion. And the plane blew up and was engulfed in flames. 
And that second man who hesitated perished in that fiery ball. The danger of procrastination. I have a message I preach on that. The danger of delay. He made a wrong decision. Most everybody I've ever talked to about the Lord in life that believes there's a God that believes there's anything to the Bible plans to get right before they die. But the danger is delay. I'll wait another day. I'll take my chances. In that case, the man lost his physical life. But I want to tell you something. There's something a whole lot more important than physical life. That's eternal life. And we don't know that we'll have tomorrow, do we? We may have many tomorrows. We may not have any. It's up to God. Every day we live is a gift from God. We'll look at it like that. I'm alive today. I woke up this morning and I'm alive. And I'm able to preach, but this may be the last sermon. This may be my final time, my final day. But thank God I've made preparation for eternity. I've made preparation. Have you? I trust you have. Let's bow our heads, please.